we're driven by the search for dopamine. Right. And so the, the mundane, repetitive, day-to-day tasks that we're, everyone's expected to do to a certain extent are infinitely harder, even though they seem so simple. Welcome to the Real Leadership Podcast. My name is Chris Obst. I've spent the last 25 years going deep with leaders on the real challenges they face, the stuff that keeps them up at night. Are you ready for raw and honest conversations and the reality that self-leadership and personal growth are the keys to you being the leader that you were meant to be? Welcome back. Uh, For those of you that that joined us on the uh, part one of this Mental Health in the Workplace uh, podcast, this is part two. If you're just tuning in now and you didn't hear part one, I encourage you to uh, to go back and listen to um, the first part that Freddie and I recorded. Uh, you know, there's just so much content here uh, that, that we think is valuable and hopefully the listeners are finding valuable. So, Freddie, one of the things that, that I've noticed that felt kind of monumental in your journey and our family's journey around this was when you did get the diagnosis of ADHD because we are kind of stuck in this you know, you've got depression and anxiety and you've tried medication and counseling and you had, you know, a little lift here and there, some things would work, but really it didn't feel like you were on top of what you wanted to be. Um, I was listening to, this was during the pandemic, I was listening to a podcast, it's someone from the entertainment world. And and you know why I listened to her, she was very open about her mental health, her, her depression, anxiety, and that was refreshing to me. It was It was very vulnerable and honest and raw. And then one of her listeners had written into her, I think they DM'd her on Instagram and said, hey, have you ever been tested for ADHD? Because what you're describing sounds like that. And so she went and managed to get a test done and got a diagnosis. And then so she got on some different medication. And I noticed a marketable difference in how she sounded after her diagnosis. So then I came to you and I'm sure you remember the day and and I said, hey, you know, have you ever considered this? And I think you were already kind of poking around there. So what, maybe you can speak to that. Well, there'd been different periods in my adolescence where I was frustrated with the labels I was given and and what I, the control or lack of control I had over my mental health and had, had poked around the idea of potentially having ADHD. But at the time, it's still the only people getting diagnosed were were the males bouncing around (laughs) and that's about it. And so there was massive imposter syndrome going on for me, as well as I'm trusting the, the medical professionals and therapists and counselors and psychiatrists that I've been around and none of them have ever mentioned this. None of them have connected the dots that, oh wow, it might actually just be ADHD. And so I never went further with it. And so, having you come to me with this concrete example of a female getting a diagnosis for it was was validation that okay let's let's roll with this and because i it was the first thing that actually did start to make sense but i was still worried of being wrong about it or Mm. or getting uh, a doctor telling me that that's not the case and invalidating my experience so um that was that was definitely the first step. And I know, as you remember, there was a whole other challenge of just getting the diagnosis itself. Right, right. And it was months of trying to track down a GP in British Columbia that would take me on as a patient 
and then partnering with a psychologist to give me the formal diagnosis and then you need the psychiatrist or someone that can write the prescription. It's a really flawed system and because the stereotypes for ADHD are these speedy drugs that people use in the world that don't necessarily have ADHD. Right, so things like Adderall are being abused or, or misused. Totally, and so it's really hard to get a prescription and to get a diagnosis at this point in time. And we spent months trying to just get the diagnosis itself after realizing what we think it was. Right. And then, you know, sadly in our world, it's often about who you know. And, you know, we, we came across a general practitioner that we had known earlier in our lives, um, just in a social environment. And she happened to be the, the doctor of a, a colleague of mine who, same thing, depression, anxiety, and then got his ADHD diagnosis and and went on medication. And it, and it really gave him a lift. It really changed, mm-hmm. gave him a whole new lease on life. And I remember you and I her practice was full and it was you know a friend of a friend say hey this family could really use your help she agreed to see us i remember you and i in the zoom call with her and she said something about we're going to take care of you it's going to be okay i remember you and i both (laughs) bursting into tears after because it was like finally somebody somebody was there for us to help and it was like the faith that we she understood it and and the ironic thing is you know, she's not a psychologist or a therapist. And the, and the backstory here was her husband, who was a high functioning, you know, executive in the world of finance, uh, had suffered the same thing. And that's where she got interested in this mm-hmm. as a GP. And so she got herself educated into neurodivergency and ADHD and medication. Um, and I knew her as someone that delivered a lot of babies for friends of mine. So, I mean, she certainly was a lifeline for us. So, so what changed for you when, when you got someone who acknowledged you and where you're at, the diagnosis and the medication? Well, I will say first, um, medication, pharmaceutical medication will not be the answer for everybody. And it is not the only answer for anybody. Having a counselor or a therapist at the same time in conjunction with a doctor and the prescription was crucial altogether to actually make any headway with this. Um, Getting the diagnosis and starting the medication was incredible. However, it also came with this intense grieving period of the lost years that I could have felt different. You know, Freddie, I'd forgotten about that. And I remember, I remember you going through that. like fuck what if we had known this years ago why why did i have to suffer yeah so i wouldn't change getting the diagnosis but it it wasn't like oh my goodness my life has changed joy, forever and, joy to and yeah 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 okay so i mean that's important to acknowledge and things did change Right, you you had a different way of understanding, and I think where you, where you're heading with the um, having you know being in therapy is it's a way of understanding, right? So I'm feeling different. I'm feeling better. The drugs are doing their thing, but I'm understanding my brain differently. What some of the triggers are, what I can do about it, 
where it potentially came from so so you can relieve yourself of it I'm not broken it's not my fault I didn't do anything wrong there's a lot of misconceptions about ADHD medication as well and what it does and as somebody with ADHD who is taking a stimulant medication it doesn't fix everything it doesn't make you more normal <laughs> it doesn't give you a bunch of energy the point of it if, if somebody actually has ADHD and they take a stimulant medication and it ends up working for them it will quiet down their brain and slow down the racing thoughts and help the dopamine go where it needs to go so that you can show up in life and do the normal tasks without so much struggle right it doesn't make you more focused or less distracted you can still get distracted hmm. but it clear it slows down your brain enough to be able to make more rational decisions interesting because you're saying and we're getting into the deeper end of the pool here um, around the medication but you're saying it slows your brain down when I think of ADHD medication I think about speed it's speeding you up right and my expectation before I took um, Vyvanse was the the prescription we decided to try first and I thought it's going to give me all of this motivation and focus to get my tasks done what it actually did within I don't know an hour after taking it for the very first time on a relatively low dose my brain was quieter than it ever had been before mm. and my anxiety was the thing that went away first in the coming weeks is I wasn't overthinking, analyzing, racing the way I was before. Hmm. Um, something just popped in my head and I'm sure as an intro or outro to this podcast, I will, but in case I forget, um, I'm not, we're not suggesting that people take any drugs we're referencing. Um, we're not endorsing or supporting. No. Uh, you know, we're simply being uh, open about the journey that you've been on um, to normalize talking about it. But um, we're not qualified or as uh, professionals or experts to, to, to give people medical or mental health advice. So, um, all right. So now you've got the diagnosis, you've got the medication, you're starting to make sense of things. One of the things that, that comes up when you and I talk about this is the symptoms that we now like for you, you you've often said well now that i can connect the dots now that i can understand it and so some of the symptoms that that people see or experience when working with someone or being around someone that's got adhd is things like procrastination disorganization uh not being able to meet deadlines you know their attention wandering what what have you learned about this because you know, on one hand, these can sound like criticisms Definitely. or insults. They're not behaviors that we're looking for. If we're hiring someone, I'm not saying, hey, I'm looking for someone who's highly tuned into disorganization and procrastination. But but just to shed some light on it, for both for, for people that, that are suffering from some of these symptoms or behaviors and those that work or live with others that have them, what light can you shed on, 
on what's really going on there. And, and probably most important, Freddie, is what what the experience is like for the person with it. And then how do we support or help that person with it? Right. So I guess the, the key factor here is that somebody with a neurodivergent brain or who has ADHD, they have issues with executive functioning. Okay. Due to an underdeveloped or out of tune prefrontal cortex. So certain skills and decision making for somebody that just come naturally or make sense or are easy are incredibly difficult or inaccessible to somebody with ADHD. Hmm. And that speaks to procrastination and time management and decision making and managing yourself, uh, being organized, those aren't hardwired to come naturally to us. And in fact, the opposite of true, it's hardwired to be difficult for, for, Correct. to do those things. Right, right. Huh. And, and I've also learned through you, uh, so anyone that knows you describes you as creative, Mm-hmm. which you are wildly creative. Um, you are amazing at problem solving. So something needs to happen. There's a crisis. You're very calm. Your brain works in a what seems like a very calm manner and come up with logical solutions and way out. Um, so that's probably not an accident that your brain is hyper-tuned in moments of high energy crisis, what have you, the need for creativity and almost detuned for some of the day-to-day that in the workplace and life we kind of expect as a baseline from people. <laughs> right. We're driven by the search for dopamine. Right. And so the, the mundane, repetitive, day-to-day tasks that we're, everyone's expected to do to a certain extent are infinitely harder, even though they seem so simple. Mm-hmm. And it, it's a wiring thing. It is not a. It's not a skill that you're. Well, you're lacking the skill, but but it's not because you're failing. It it's how you were wired. Yeah. So I can't take you to a course on procrastination and have it quote unquote fix you. No. Right. Freddie, this is so important, and you know, <laughs> I I've had so many moments over the years. Of like, oh, I wish I knew this as your dad. Um, as a professional, I, there's so much information here that I wish I knew sooner. And I've also made peace with this stuff happens and comes to us at the time in our life that we're ready to do something with it. And I know um, you and I are both ready. That's why we're doing this. Um, so what, I mean, if, if you and I were to describe how to help, you know, and I, I know in my heart and my gut, I know this is going to help anyone that's still listening. It's helping them in their, their personal life, their family life, their professional life. If, if, if for no other reason than we're normalizing talking about it mm-hmm. in, in, a, in a, you know, productive way and not accusatory. And I know you and I, you know, between the podcasts, um, our producer Alvaro said, wow, it's really, it's amazing to hear you two talking this way. And you know, father and daughter. And <laughs> I said to him, like, yeah, two years ago, we couldn't have done this. No chance. Like, like the, the work that you and I have done in, in counseling and therapy to, to build the trust that we can talk about anything that, you know, you're not feeling attacked and I'm not getting defensive. And 
I mean, that, that speaks to the capacity of humans when we have information, we have professionals around us that, that are compassionate and they've got skills and they, and they share it. And, and so, you know, hopefully I'll just, you know, reiterate that that's our goal here is we want to just have a conversation like this, normalize it so, so people can do something with it. If I may, I want to add in that these problematic behaviors um, or symptoms really they're to some level experiences of everybody neurotypical or neurodivergent. They, they definitely apply to all, but it's as a neurodivergent person, you're experiencing them so much more intensely. And so when we start to discuss my recommendations or suggestions in the workplace, they're things that will really apply to all, but especially help those that, that need that accommodation a little bit more. I know exactly what you're saying. And I, and I think there's a lot of common sense because it's like, mm -hmm. okay, well, how do we do this? How do we help someone if we don't know what they've got? If we don't know. Well, you ask them, you talk to them and you, and you know, like you said, you know, sort of off air, we well, don't want to go up to someone and say, Hey, I think you're ADHD. What do you need from me? But it's like, if you have somebody in your team conversations, and I, I've been having conversations with clients about, about the return to the workplace. It's like, this is a great time to talk to your team and say, Hey, You've learned something over the last two years about you and mm -hmm. how do we optimize you, your, your energy, your creativity. Oh, I'm a morning person. I'm an afternoon person. I work best on my own. I need two days in the week in the office. That's a good, healthy conversation. To me, a conversation similar to that around this saying, hey, you know, what, what kind of tasks uh, work for you? What kind of things give you stress? How could I support you differently? Um, I'm wondering if, if you would indulge me because that's how my brain works super practical and obviously it doesn't work we'll just cut it out but i'm gonna hire you i'm gonna you and i don't know each other i like your resume i like your background we've met i like your personality right you've learned enough about yourself to actually to give me a bit of an owner's manual so if i'm about to hire you what are some things that you should and would share with me to set us up for success because i'm I'm not neurodivergent. I'm kind of ignorant to this in a, in a you know honest way. How do I how do we set you up for success? What are a few things that that you might start talking about with me as your potential manager? Communication is probably the most critical component. Okay, can I double click on that? Yeah, because that's you know in my field communication <laughs> is like yeah it's the buzzword. Yeah. But, so what kind of communication like? What, what about communication is important? It will make or break the success of working with anybody, but, but ultimately of working with me. So having really clear, concise, <laughs> concise being also as important, <laughs> instruction and expectation with that really clear, hard deadlines. Okay. Because the the brain will wander and work overtime, but it will stay within parameters if they're there. Right. We're I'm always solving for what doesn't exist, but if that's not part of the task, then I don't have to go there. If I know what I'm supposed to do and when I have to do it, it gets done. As soon as I have the space to interrupt myself that's where things get derailed. Wow, okay, yeah. 
<laughs> so it's like give, giving you the parameters with autonomy, but still the parameters are so important saying, this is what we need and we need it by this time and by this date. And if you need help, come see me. And now I've got to know that maybe you won't come see me because you're going to get lost. And so I got to check in with you and say, hey, how's everything going? Do you have any questions? Right? Yeah. But I, I'm realizing that so much time can be saved by just telling somebody exactly what you want and when you want it. So we don't do enough of that. If you have an idea of how you want something done. Yeah. And what you want done. Share that. It'll avoid disappointment for everybody. Mm -hmm. You won't waste time. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I get it. That makes sense. What, what are some of the other things that we can do to set you up for success? Like in terms of the working environment, um, you know, how much time alone, how much time with others. And I know this, we're all somewhat different, but you know, we're, we're kind of, uh, we're kind of like the laboratory here. Just, just having a conversation. Cause I think it, it will inspire others. So having ADHD, I'm very prone to being overwhelmed and overstimulated. And I need consistent communication, but ultimately I need space to work on my own and to limit distraction, um, being able to use headphones to listen to white noise or something on the side or to have the option to work in isolation so that I'm not distracted by other things allows me to hyper-focus and get the tasks done. Um, to have a realistic workload where it, it's, it's just very clear and, and almost contractual, like clarity and being concise is, is ultimately the, <laughs> the thing. It's funny, you did say this kind of stuff probably applies to everybody. And, and it does. Like if, if as the manager, if you will, was really clear on the expectations and communicated that and, and told the employee, this is, this is what I need, this is what I expect, by when, you, you do have leeway and autonomy to do it your way. So it's this balance of, of being clear and concise, but, but not holding the reins too tightly and micromanaging. Um, because ultimately, as the employer, you, you get your voice. You, you're getting your opportunity to say exactly how you want something done and what you want it to look like and how you want it done. But then you have to trust that someone's going to be able to do it because the, the hover mentality, just someone with ADHD, I, I can't focus on getting it done. I'm too worried about what you're thinking and it's going to shut my brain down. Mm -hmm. Just one thing I want to tease out because it's, it's, I'm, I'm sure for the listeners, like, well, hang on a sec here. You, you're saying, tell me how you want it done. Well, if you're doing it like I want it done, why do I need you? And, and I, I did hear you say you, you do want autonomy, and I know that, the, the creativity and the yeah. autonomy. So can you just help me just square that? Like what the piece around giving them enough clarity but not micromanaging or telling them exactly how to do it it's um i guess i would describe it like 
a breathing organism. Okay. So you come in, you come together with information, communication, and then you exhale and do what you have to do. And you come in and it's consistent and flowy. It's not going three days without talking or a week without talking. Mm. But but to have those the separation between being on and in conjunction together and then taking the time apart. You really are creative. <laughs> that breathing I mean people can't see your hands, but you're, you know, inhaling and exhaling, right? So that's a natural rhythm. And right. so you're this is what you're describing is yeah, we'll come together. Mm-hmm. Then exhale, and then you're going to go do your thing, I'll do my thing, and then we'll check back in. Yeah, and and yeah. maybe it's checking in multiple times in the day, but to not be straddling the managing and trusting, but to manage and then trust, and then manage and then trust, mm. and adjust as as necessary. That's beautifully said. I, I Yeah, that image is, is really strong. Freddie, I've... You know, in this conversation, <laughs> I've already learned so much. And I know you and I have been talking about this for a couple of years. Um, I'm just wondering, maybe in terms of wrapping up and, and um, on a practical note. So if I'm a listener and I'm 25, 35, 45, 55, I, this is resonating with me. I suspect that I might have ADHD or some sort of neurodivergency that's impacting how I operate and uh, you know, how I show up for others. What advice, and I know I'm, I'm putting you on the spot here, but we're just sharing information, but what would you suggest, how would someone start in, in terms of maybe getting getting a handle on this and starting to feel better with it? Um, the quickest thing would be just to start doing your own research online. There's more information accessible than ever on all sorts of platforms. Um, And none of the ADHD advice is harmful in any way because it's just, it's about skills that apply to everybody's life. So there's no real harm in- It's a low risk venture to kind of- Very low risk. You're not gonna go down the wrong rabbit hole by just understanding the concept of ADHD and, and the symptoms of it. Ultimately, to take advantage of what your company may offer and going to HR and, and seeing how things could be more accommodating to you or what services are available because my journey understanding ADHD for myself, I I needed my therapist. That was so crucial. Mm-hmm. And you know, it can be it can be hard to either make that first step to do it or even to just be taken on by a therapist with the medical uh, feel the way it is right now, but it's so important to to have that professional support as well. And I, I feel like more companies have resources available than they're being used. So that's helpful. Yeah. Thank you. Um, and thank you for doing this. I'm, I know I know this was a risk for both of us, and I uh, I'm so proud of you. I love you. Um, and this is this has helped me. I mean, you know, over the years when we've worked together. I mean, I still, uh, when it comes to, you know, photography and design work, you're at the top of the list of who I want involved and not because of nepotism, because your talent. And, you know, over the years, there's been frustration because of the, 
you know, the cadence and, and how things work back and forth. So just me understanding this, I think is going to, is going to actually help our relationship because I want Absolutely. you to continue to, to share your talents, um, with me and my team. So thank you for doing this. And, uh, yeah, hopefully to the listener, um, if this resonated with you, I'd, I'd love to hear, I'd love to hear back. I mean, I'm on a journey to help people and, um, this is just another step in the journey and I know it looks and sounds and different. It feels different than a lot of the podcasts I've had and I'm actually really proud of that. So um, I wish you all well. Um, be kind to yourselves and each other and um, we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, Freddie. Thank you. The Real Leadership Podcast is produced by Chris Obst Leadership and Alive Creative Services. Thank you for listening. 